My name is Haley Kim, and I'm the creator and host of Iconic Businesses of Dallas. Join me as I interview successful businessmen and women around DFW to hear their stories about how they got to where they are today. Get inspired and leave with great takeaways from their experiences that you can apply to your own daily life. You have to have the vision. And in having that vision, you have to have goals. I mean, I'm, and, I, and I like to tell people this in backwards, in the backwards form, because, you know, I like for you to know where you're going instead of you trying to strategically get there and trying to figure it out along the way. So first, we need to have a vision. All right. And in that vision, it helps you create the goals. And so now you know exactly what you need in order to make this 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 vision come to life. Well, within those goals, you need a plan. How do you plan to achieve these goals to get to this vision? All right. Well, now that you know the plan, how disciplined are you going to be? Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Iconic Businesses of Dallas podcast. I know I've been MIA recently, and it's been because DFW real estate has been booming. But no matter how busy work has been, I could not pass up the opportunity to interview my next guest. I had the pleasure of interviewing Andy Barnes, a licensed Class A barber and veteran turned entrepreneur who has successfully built his own business from the ground up. Not only does he own several salon suites in the DFW area, he now also offers mentorship program for people wanting to jumpstart their careers. But there's so much more to his story than that. Join us as we delve into Andy's amazing journey and gain valuable insights into the world of entrepreneurship. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I have with me Andy Barnes. Hey, how are y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. Um, So I was so excited to have you because of your story. I've only briefly heard it, so I can't wait to hear it in detail. But you started as a barber, and now you own many barbershops. So let's get started and hear how you got there. All right, we'll do it. Let's go. Well, let's see. Um, When I started childhood, Childhood upbringing was was great. And then, of course, you know, you have your, your bad sides of childhood and things like that. I became homeless at 15 on my own recognizance because I was just a rebel. So, <laughs> so from like 15 to 18, between that time, I dropped out of high school. But I was always business savvy. Everyone I hung out with was older than me. Even um, as a child, I was predominantly with a lot of adults because I was the oldest grandchild. So everybody was, you know, older. So I was able to soak up a lot of information as a young child, which I don't think they really understood or knew that I was paying that much attention to. And like I said, in about between 15 and 18, I dropped out of school and I got my GED. Well, for me, I didn't want to be black with a GED, you know, because it's the, the statistics of it. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to the military and I got the military behind my belt. So I was like, well, hey, if they if I become a veteran, no one cares about that. You know, <laughs> nobody cares about the GED part. So that's what I did. And then I got hurt and I got out of the military and now it's back to ground zero again. It's like, what are you going to do? And um, I'm very smart, but I'm not collegiate. I have a problem with, you know, being lectured and having to mm-hmm. take notes and things like that. If I can't rewind this guy and take notes, it's going to be terrible for me. Mm-hmm. So I knew that going in. So I was just trying to find some kind of foundation to build some kind of income on. So I just went down a list of trades and plumbing. No, didn't want to deal with dirt. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, electrician, not trying to get electrocuted, you know, HVAC, didn't really care about crawl spaces. I hate attics. So, you know, I just, Barbara was the only thing that was pretty much there that I was like, okay, I can still dress fly, 
I can take care of people. I've been, you know, I've been in a shop before, so I kind of got an idea of what it is. But I went into barber school, didn't know anything about how to cut hair, nothing <laughs> at all. So, but the military was paying for me to go to school. So nice. that was nine months it took me to finish school. And at this particular time, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and this is where I'm from. And I ended up moving to Dallas, um, well, actually Fort Worth. And I just took my test here, transferred my hours, and then I became a barber. Now, me being business savvy, I've always studied the business of everything and everybody around me and things like that. And the average barber, let's say about 45, 50 around, you know, my neighborhood, they still have to cut hair. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't find out till late. You know, a lot of barbers don't know the real business behind the chair, you know, filing taxes, showing proof of income, Mm -hmm. things like that. So I saw a lot of these guys become more developed later on. So I just took a bunch of the information they had and then, you know, paying thousands of dollars for mentors. And that's what it kind of grew into. Um, I've been a barber since 2012. So I'm coming up on 11 years this June. And I just wanted, like I said, going back as a child, I've wanted several businesses. So me, I see that a lot of barbers, they're 40, 50 years old, they're stuck behind a chair. So it's a lot of agony, hips, Mm -hmm. knees, feet, wrists, borderline carpal tunnel. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm trying to catch that before any of that happens. And so I was just like, well, what is the next step for me? And then I moved out on my own into like a space of just me out of the open barbershop concept, because most of my clients that I was reaching out to, they were more the business professionals, the lawyers, the doctors. I have fire, police, uh, just an array of busy individuals. And I, my business mind was like, well, what is it that they need? And the average of them is they go from waking up, straight into family, straight to work, back into family, back to sleep, you know? So I was like, well, let me figure out an environment that I can create for them that will be relaxing for them, whether it be the 30 minutes or an hour. So with that, it caught on quick. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got all this money now. I need to do something with it before I mess it up. Yeah. So that's when I got into my first salon suite building. Wow. Because I was like, well, I can show them everything that I've known because I've just left an open space, went into a suite, and now I'm practically on my own. So I was like, well, let me try the real estate side of that. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. And that's been, I got my first building. Well, the building that I'm in, I got that in October 2020, right after they opened up in COVID. And this particular building, my first building I got in May of 2021. What is this? 23, 22. And um, I got my second building in November. And then I got my third building in December. Wow. So that's all. And I have two salon suite locations. And I just opened up a um, walk-in only barbershop in Arlington. And this is the beginning of a franchise for me for this particular barbershop as well. That's amazing. So, I mean, how do you even do that? I mean, when you got your first one, you just had money saved up and you were like, I'm just going to buy this building. You know, use other people's money. Ah, see, there's your <laughs> secret. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, all, that's yeah. what everybody says though, yeah. right? No, yeah, use other people's money. I really had to get out of the lower income mindset when it comes to credit personal credit, business credit. And I've always studied wealth, wealth creations and things like this. Nobody became rich off their own money. You know, if anything, they kept their liquid and used theirs, you know, and it was more so like in case something happened, I have this extra. So no, the beginning of it, I had 
my own money for the first set of suites. And then as I started to build business credit for this, well, I've already had business credit for my barbershop, but I used that business credit to fund the second location in which I had. And as I was building a salon suite business credit, I used the salon suite business credit to open the barbershop. So it was just me. Nice. Yeah, just pretty much funding it that way. But I made sure that I'm not funding something that wasn't almost guaranteed. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I'm not just throwing something out there because, oh, I have this money. It still have to be, you know, very strategic and responsible yeah. when it comes to having this much expenses and things like that out. But that's pretty much how I built it. I just scaled yeah. it in that in that sense. I imagine you did a lot of research on what locations would work and um, yes. That, what, right? Well, when I first did my first set of suites, I had an overflow of people who still wanted a particular suite. But see, at the time when I had my first set, all I had was like a double suite left open. Well, a lot of people wanted something small enough because the double suite cost more. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I can use this money and just open up another set. And now there are more single suites and I still have this one double in this one that I can't get rid of. Oh my gosh. But, you know, it's, it's fine because the actually the second set of suites pays the rent for the barbershop you know, as far as the profit. And then the profit, the other half of the profit goes to care, you know, take care of the other half of the mm-hmm. first set of suites. So I'm not really still not coming out of pocket, you know, for <laughs> yeah. anything much, maybe, maybe a thousand dollars a month, if that, That's you awesome. know, out of my pocket in order to do it. So it's also for me to, like I said, help them. But also now I'm in the point now where I'm building my own personal brand instead of being Andy the Barber now is Andy, the business owner, the business mogul, mm-hmm. the barber, you know, whatever the tagline they want to yeah. give me. But that's what I'm going, that's what I'm, my purpose is now is to reach out more, give people the information that I know, you know, and per- as it pertains to just business in general, but also barbering because it's relatable to cosmetology or anybody in the beauty industry. So I feel like now is, it's time for me to get paid for what I know. <laughs> So are you doing like uh, mentorships and things like that Yes, now? my, my mem- mentorships are actually starting in April. Um, I'm going to start doing um, more classes in April because uh, I have a barber mentorship now, but I haven't really pushed it. I really had it for like the past two years. But, you know, a lot of times when you try to scale and you start to start new businesses, if you don't have like the lifestyle track record of everything now, you know, people are not as interested. So I took this last year, like really put more of my personal life out there, how I'm doing it. And it's new for me because I'm very introverted. Oh my God, I'm the same. So like, (laughs) it's the same thing that I have to do for like Instagram and stuff. My husband's like, you just have to, for me, like I used to always have a private account and for me to open it up to like a public account was like the biggest thing for me. I was like, oh gosh. (laughs) And now you have to share, you can't just share real estate. That's boring. Yes. People want to see you and who you are. Yes. And then that's what I'm noticing too, because I have, I have a separate page. I have two separate pages. I have my personal page. Then I have my barbershop page, Uh but the barbershop is just, just haircuts. And then it's like, I post some haircuts on my personal page, but it doesn't get as much reaction as Uh if I'm opening an event or if I'm right. out with yeah. my fiance or something exactly. like that. I'm just People like, want to see what you do. I'm like, bro, I'm not that type of guy, but I'm it's like, saying. it's like you, but you have to do it. It's yeah. so I'm just now really breaking out of that shell. Um, really this year, like I said, doing more speaking engagements podcast. I go to barber schools now and, you know, give information in that sense. And, just this whole public yeah. speaking thing is just yeah. different for me now, but the podcast, I'm very much so comfortable because it's more so personal. Yeah. But big crowds. I'm like, oh, 
I'm the same exact <laughs> way. It makes I get so scared to do it. Yeah. But now it's like this Danish marketing is free because you just do it yourself. But that being said, it's like a full time job. Yes, all the very successful like real estate agents that I see, they're they're young because mm-hmm. they know they're very savvy with all this stuff. Then too, we we Amazing. pay people to do those things. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I have a marketing team. You yeah. know, I have people that I delegate certain things to. You know, because we can't. I mean, yeah. and then also, this is a profession. You know, and so I don't have time to go and learn every ancillary detail right. of this profession. So if you say you're the quote unquote guru in this, we're here. <laughs> Give me your fee. This is what I need you to do. This is what it needs to look like. And yeah. that's what a lot of people, you know, when they start businesses, they're afraid to take hands off. And yes. that is the biggest thing that I had to learn yes. to do because it became so much of a weight. And I have trouble with anxiety. Well, I had it because I've kind of learned how to get over it. We are twins. (laughs) So it's just me learning how to delegate has alleviated a lot of that. I have an assistant now. I have a property manager now. I have a, like I said, I have a marketing team. I have my mentor that I double back to. I have a PR lady. So, hey, do this, this, this. I need this done. So it's so much easier. I was going to say, it's so hard when you have to micromanage everything. You just can't grow. You don't have time. Because it's so much wasted time trying mm-hmm. to take care of the little details of everything when that's not you. You're the visionary. Yeah. You know, you just have to make sure that your vision comes to light. So that's why delegating is is in the utmost of importance. Yeah. And then also just being in the society that we're in, America is capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if it's like if you can't capitalize or maximize this 24 hours that we have, you know, it's going to be hard for you to do anything. Yeah. So it's, it's inevitable. You have to add people. You have to take your hands off because now I'm getting to the point I have to do more networking. You Mm -hmm. know, my barbershop, I was doing 50 hours a week. I can't get out of the shop and go do these networking events. So I have to turn it over to somebody. Mm -hmm. I just cut my hours down to now only cut Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. So it opens up my week now to be able to come here and speak with you and, you know, and Go to these networking events. And now it's more so business to business as opposed to me trying to get barbers, you know. So you have to. That was the only way for me to be able to grow and, and be able, like I said, to sit here yeah. is to pretty much delegate. But that's the hardest for a lot of people. Yeah, especially it's so hard to find good help these days, like yes. reliable people. I don't know what it is. No offense to the younger generation, but like, what happened? Like back when I was young, like work ethic was a thing. Mm-hmm. And now like people just... No call, no show to like interviews. Mm-hmm. It is insane. Yes, and I've I've had that that you know that happened to me too. But I still reach out to a lot of more older people. You know, thirties, thirty go. plus. I mean, I I hate to say it because yeah. they're. Perception is they want it, they want it now. Everything is at their fingertips, mm-hmm. and then you have social media, who has kids at 11 and 12 with anxiety feeling like they're already failing in life you know so it's the urgency of it all but at the same time this particular generation both parents are at work yeah you know it's not the the mom at home taking care of making sure everything is on point and actually instilling it Mm -hmm. a lot of us are really learning it as we go off youtube (laughs) yeah so it's in so this generation their things are going to happen later in life for them you know they're going to be 30 trying to oh wait Oh, what should I do? And oh, and then you start to look at all the failed relationships that you know, because now y'all are arrogant. You know, <laughs> there's a certain, you know, 
there's a certain arrogance that come with this generation where they feel like they have, they deserve, they should, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it it goes off into the jobs, yeah. you know. We they hear heard a lot of us during COVID. Hey, we want. $20 an hour, $25 an hour. So they thinking with no experience, you're supposed to come in yeah. on this job and make $20 plus dollars an hour. And so I have a lot of employers that, you know, they have their problem trying to just mm-hmm. keep them at work. It's like the jobs are becoming babysitters for them now. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it's sad uh, to say. Yeah. So again, like I said, it's, 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 you have to go through, you know, the process of like really vetting. Uh-huh. And then um, also if there's people that are listening who are interested in trying to get someone to delegate to, do a probationary period. You know what I mean? Don't hire them full on, you know, do a two week to 30 day, you know, just to see what they can do. Maybe stretch it out to maybe 90 days, you yeah. know, before you just full on give them the, you know, the entirety of it. And then it gives you time to vet. So why the little things that they're trying to take care of, why they're trying to introduce themselves to you, it does alleviate something. But in the meantime, you're still looking for somebody else just in case. So it's no time that's really wasted in that sense. So I think that would be the, the best thing um, as far as building a team. Yeah. Just don't come out and, you know, even when you go to your nine to five job, you had orientation and you had a 90 yeah, day, you right. know, so it's the same thing being as a business owner. You have to do the same process. It's that's no different. You're just doing it on your own. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. Because, I mean, anyone, if anyone's good at selling themselves, mm-hmm. you can do that in an interview. It's a mm-hmm. short interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm gullible. I, I believe anyone. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're, you're great. <laughs> Let's start. You know? Yeah. And then I'm the opposite. And then is. <laughs> You know, I'm really, I'm not. So it's like, you really have to sell me. It has to really make sense, you know, for me to just hop on to certain things. So yeah, people can sell themselves. But again, like I said, it's kind of hard to keep up that persona for yeah, so long, right. you know, so the the little things are going to start, they'll you know, show up yeah, they're going to start showing up. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of hard to own a business and be gullible mm-hmm. because of the simple fact that it can easily be taken advantage of. It's, yeah. it's shark, it's shark's water, you know? Yeah. So it's also too, if you are a prayer, a P-R-E-Y, it is easy to notice the, you know, the, the gullible nature of people mm-hmm. and whatever it is, their pursuit is, they're going to try to use it to their advantage, mm-hmm. you know? But I was, I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't, I was more so, it was a, 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 a hustler's mindset, whereas, you know, you got to go get it. You know, if you don't go get it, nobody's going to give it to you. Yeah. So it kind of built this wall of, I guess, you know, like don't care attitude and it needs to be done. So for me, it was kind of hard to kind of like sell me on certain things. So that's why I'm, I'm the visionary. I don't care about the details, but I care about the details. Mm -hmm. You know, if I hire you, I'm hiring you to be your best creative self. I don't want to have to micromanage and tell you, do this, do this, do this, do this. I allow you to be whoever it is and do whatever your job to the best of your ability. If I don't like it, I would just move on. I would just say, yeah, I would just say it don't work because trying to make you do something that you're really not comfortable doing, the actual result of that is going to not look good. You get what I'm saying? As opposed to somebody like this is this is what they specialize in. Let them do it. Yeah. You know, so I have to be gullible in that sense, Mm -hmm. you know, because I still this is my business. This is my baby. I need it to look a certain way. But at the same time, I have to soften up because Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I know how I would do things. And someone had to tell me this. (laughs) It doesn't matter how they get it done as long as it gets done. 
There you go. Versus me, I'm like, no, you need to do it this way. Da, 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 da. And yeah. somebody had to tell me that just as long as it gets done and a deadline is met, who cares how they do yeah. it? You know? That's like in math. Remember, like in school, it's like, oh, but how'd you get to the answer? Yeah. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Right I, got the, I got the right answer. And yeah, and then and that was another thing. Like all this new math and oh, yeah. how they're trying to oh, get those. Well, I was like, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I'm not in school now. <laughs> so yeah, like these kids are getting new math and then oh, explain God. the answer. I hated that. I hated that they explained because my piece of paper over here is just jotted paper. And I'm like, you want me to turn this in? Because I can give this to you, but yeah. I can't explain it. <laughs> and you don't even use that math anymore. Right. Who uses all that? No, we, use, don't. we need to know taxes and that That's, kind of stuff. Oh, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like it was, they're slowly starting to add that back into school. Thank goodness. I think it was, um, I was in high school between 2004, 2008. So I think that was pretty much like the last years when they had economics. And then even that was an elective. That wasn't like a mandatory class that you had to take. So I took it. And there's a lot of things that I saw in there that even the teacher that was teaching, you kind of get this obscure um, perception because, you know, is middle income person who is teaching us about economics. And they're more so 401k, save, save, save. And those are the people who control the economy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for people who are in business and trying to scale and more in the capitalist, it's kind of hard to teach that from the perspective of a middle income. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I kind of saw that even going through high school and it even more pushed my wanting to understand wealth creations and what it really means. And when you get on the business side, you really realize that America is more so in the favor of the business yeah. all the time. You know, yeah. it's sad for the low income, middle income households, but they're for them because if we we are the ones who are employing people. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So it's like if you can't stimulate the economy, this is how I look at taxes. Either they're going to take it and stimulate it themselves, or you're going to stimulate it and get a break. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's either way. You could choose, you know, whatever yeah. you want to do, but I'd rather take the break. Right. There you go. <laughs> and then to have them tell me, you know, what it is that I need to spend it on. So that was another reason why I got into business for myself, because I'm chasing the freedom yeah. as much as I can get the person off my back and I can just do whatever I want to, that's what I was going to do. So if I can start all these businesses and pay taxes on it, you know, because I'm affording opportunities to people, I am employing people. I have at least seven people on payroll now. Wow. You know, so with that, I get the breaks. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Versus somebody who is just nine to five, this is the check. This and right. Yeah, you're just going to work and then you. You get $1,500 a week and then you, after taxes, like seven, you know, and it's just, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want that. And then, like I said, growing up, I've always was around people older. So I always heard those stories, you know, Mm -hmm. about the money and the end of their check. And so I was just like, how can I avoid that? Yeah. You know, you know, we talked about kids. I never wanted them because I heard the stories. Yes. Kids are, I've done, I've done the research on that. And as of, was it 2021 to raise a child from zero to 18 was $350,000 and counting. Mm-mm, and that's not more. That's, but that's what I'm saying. And counting <laughs> because that's not even counting the name brand. That's not counting yeah, the extracurriculars. School. That's not counting, you know, the private schools. That's not, yeah. that's not, that's just 
bare necessities. I kids are fancy now. Right. I used to be so excited when we used to go to McDonald's and get a one ninety nine Happy Meal. Now my kid's like, oh, she doesn't even know what McDonald's is. Yes. She's like, no, I want to go eat sushi. Yes. I'm like, you're seven. Yes. And she, that's, 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 and that's how we are now. And so fancy. My fiance, her son just turned 21. So last year I told him, just send me your shopping cart. Oh. So the shopping cart at this particular time was like $60. I'm like, hey, you're cool. This man just sent me some $800 Prada shoes. Oh, and I'm hell like, no. Bro. I don't even have $800 <laughs> right? Prada shoes. I'm like, bro, he just wow. sent it to me this morning. And I was just He was like, testing you with the 60 first. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, dude, this is more than your rent. Wow. I would rather pay your rent than pay, get you an $800 pair of shoes. Yeah. You know, so this is just the era in which, but this is social media. Yeah. You know, this is, goes back to everything. And the the phone is a gift and a curse. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's a ability to for have you to waste a lot of time throughout the day or you can make several businesses from it. Mm-hmm. I've every business that I've ever created has come from this phone. Every research, everything yeah. has come from the phone. So is it's your yin and yang. It's just what you choose to adapt to, you know, and it's yeah. sad, but I worry for the generation oh, coming yeah. underneath. <laughs> it, it is sad. And like, even my kid knows more, she's more tech savvy than I am. Yes. And I'm like, you know, I try to make it a priority to put the phone away when I'm around her. I don't want her to think I'm on the phone all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. she'll be like, daddy's on the phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, he's on it for work. Mm-hmm. And with real estate, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're on not, the phone. yeah, you're, it's never time off for you. It's you take phone calls at 9 PM. Right. So that's that, you know, what she sees is, Oh, he's always on his phone. She mm-hmm. doesn't realize, Oh, it's so he can put food on the table. You right. know, like I have to cons- consistently like remind her, Hey, mm-hmm. he's working, you know, he's not watching YouTube like you do on your iPad. <laughs> right. No, I have a, um, I have a six year old goddaughter. She has full on YouTube shorts mm-hmm. and, and um, she's dancing and like, she has the, the editing, like the editing oh, is done. Gosh. I'm like, whoa (laughs) you know and she's six that's crazy so yeah i mean but it's it goes back to our parents you know when we first got introduced to computers yeah you know i came in post ibm right into compact you remember the old compact (laughs) computers and we had aol dial up and uh, yeah and then you know they they pick up the phone and it (laughs) it cuts you offline you know so i was i was fortunate enough to grow up in that era so to be able to see 20 years later to what it has become is crazy. But it was like, we are, we are our parents now, you know, yeah. cause they didn't understand what is this computer? My granny, she was like, well, come in, do this. What is this email thing? And yeah. come sit the computer. Why is it going slow? So I was like, granny, yeah. come in, you know, so we're in that phase. Yeah. But, uh, but you have to understand too. A lot of our parents told, said, well, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to do that. So I also learned too, that I'm not going to say no. You know, I'm at least try it, yeah. try to get the basics and understand. And if I can use it to what I'm doing every day, then yeah. so be it. But what is going to end up leaving us too, as we get older, we're going to have to lean on them. Yeah. You know, hopefully that we get the right one that the good mentee that can come on our wing and really be eager to want to learn and do it and work in your favor. Yeah. But we're going to have to lean on them at some point because everything now is becoming electronic you know mm-hmm. you, did you see the city that they're building in in saudi arabia arabia the line where it's all tech yeah you know so it's like we're gonna have to adapt to it yeah. you know i'm i'm still you have to adapt or you're gonna get left behind i don't want to do the face id oh i mean i don't either now like a palm <laughs> yeah thing. like i don't want to do that, that. but it's like out. i feel like at some point we're gonna 
have yeah, to do it's it. Kind of scary. And my my phone won't even fully update because I haven't added the face How ID funny. to it. So it's like, uh, but yeah. I'm still on that sense of doing. It. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it. Um, TikTok, I, that was I the thing. I was, but I had to get on there. Oh gosh, know? I won't do and it. And it was more so. Those are more so like my motivational quotes and things like that. But I've noticed that if you're not entertaining. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares to watch. You so, have to be funny. Yes, but it's like everybody's so caught up in being entertained that it takes away from what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear, you know? And that's what I say this generation is really going to, they're not going to really figure it out until they're 30, you know, mm-hmm. trying to buy houses and things. But even though you have a lot of younger millionaires now, they still don't know the money. They're just making money. Because mm-hmm. at the same time as we see them getting rich, we see the the ads where they're saying, well, TikTok influencer or YouTube influencer yeah. files for bankruptcy. They're losing their house. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, yeah. you know. But at the same time, they don't want to listen to us. So it's kind of like, yeah. So it's like we kind of got to let them bump their head and then come back to that's pretty much what this this is going to be the generation of most mistakes. But that's how we were when we were young too, right? Some somebody would tell you something, you're like, oh no, yeah. I'll figure. You know, I I know best. And yeah. then now you look back, you're like, dang, my mom was right. <laughs> so now when I argue with her or like she'll tell me something, I'm like. Maybe she's right. Maybe I need to just listen to her. But it's it's based on their perception in that time. But we're supposed to take it and expound on it. You know, not to live in that. But Mm -hmm. there are still certain basic principles that carries you, whether whatever generation or whatever facet we are in at that particular, whatever trend we are in, there's still basic things that needs to, you know, to happen. And and it's pretty much for me is you got to have a vision. And then in order for that vision to come to fruition, you got to have goals. Yeah. And in order to make those goals, you got to have a plan. And in order to have the plan, you have to have the discipline, the focus to see it through, mm-hmm. you know. And if you don't have those things, I don't care what it is, it's not going to happen, you know. But you just take those basic principles and apply it to modern day times. There shouldn't be no reason why you shouldn't be successful or shouldn't know. But a lot of people negate the discipline. They negate the focus because yeah. now we're chasing the entertainment. Well, I don't want to do that right now. I want to go out and go have fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. Or I know this book I'm supposed to be reading that could possibly save me thousands of dollars, but I'm just going to put that on the stand and let it, you know, collect yeah. dust. But I never wanted to be that guy for someone to say, I told you so. Yeah. I never want to give somebody that power. So for me, I took everything that you told me and I tried it and I came back, well, hey, this didn't work, but I did this, yeah. you know, so that way that the teacher will continue to teach because a lot of people come to me for information. I give you a solution and then you come back two, three weeks later with this same problem. I can't oh, process that. Yeah. You get that what I'm saying? It happens mm-hmm. all the time, but I'm now becoming off as the a-hole when I my <laughs> attitude changes because I don't want to keep hearing this same yeah. thing. I have things that I want to do to my for myself, but I'm taking the time out to help you. Yeah. So now it's like now you're wasting my time. Yeah. So now now that you're wasting my time, my attitude towards you change. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's a lot of that. Whereas we're actually turning our hands off because oh, so you don't want to listen? Then you know go do it yourself. But I never wanted somebody to have that power over me. Yeah. So I always did as they said, or I watched meticulously as to what they were doing. And I just kind of created it in my own way. But so I, I think I've 
avoided a lot of the things that we normally would have growing up as a kid, even though I was homeless, even though, you know, I was really trying to build something, but I never felt like a victim in it. Mm -hmm. You know, things happen to you, but you do things in spite of whatever happens, not despite. And so it's also a mindset that Mm -hmm. comes with that because these kids are experiencing a lot of things, you know, I said the anxiety, the depression, the feeling alone, you know, you can, you, your kids, your husband, y'all can all be in the living room, but y'all all on your phones, mm-hmm. y'all together, but y'all are alone as hell. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a lot of things that these kids are fighting for now is yeah. the alone time because you have parents who are now putting tablets in their children's hands at a year old mm-hmm. before a year. Hey, here you go. Watch Cuckoo Millen and, yeah. you know, and so that I can have some, so I can have my time to myself. So it's, it's a lot of that. It's the separation of it all. But that's a, that's a big issue. I think, cause even with my kids, she'll be like, well, you know, we'll be at a restaurant. She's like, Oh, can I have your phone? I'm bored. I'm like, it's okay to be bored. You can actually talk to me. <laughs> you can have, you know, think about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to be bored. So mm-hmm. I don't let her do that. We, when we eat, I'm like, you need to turn that off. And, mm-hmm. Talk to the family. You're old enough to talk. Talk. Mm-hmm. Tell me how your day was, you know? And they have like no that. concept of communication. Yeah. Like, they're just, just basic communication tools. Our children don't know it. Yeah. You know, how to carry just a simple, hey, how are you doing? It's hey, and then back down yeah, in the phone again. So it's just it really like, bad. Yeah, but no, it's to be an adult, I see what our parents tried to show us. But at the same time, I see where the phones are carrying us. And if you watch the uh, Steve Jobs documentary, I forgot which one it is, but it's the one where his is his face and he's in black and white. And this was his purpose was to because he was a loner. Mm-hmm. So he found a way to entertain loners and we've all become loners. loners. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what it is, is. So now it's our entertainment is in our phone is Whatever whatever it is that we want to be entertained by, we have it at our fingertips. Yeah. So now it's more so, I don't care if I don't have friends, but I want friends. So, you know, yeah. and, and I don't care who feels about the way that I feel because everything, we're in this era of acceptance of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard for people to be social when they don't even have to be social anymore. You know, I could, if you like dolphins, you can watch YouTube on <laughs> dolphins or uh, TikTok on dolphins All or- day. Instagram on dolphins all day. You get what I'm saying? So it does, I don't have to talk to anybody if I'm entertained. So he's, everything that he wanted is actually happened. Yeah. I, and my fiance and I, we'll sit, we'll sit up in bed and I'm working, granted I'm on my phone, but she's in her phone. But mm-hmm. this is not quality time. Yeah, you know? definitely not. Definitely not. You have it's to so, put it away. Right. So they're, they're the concept of putting it away yeah. has, has now shifted. Yeah. You know, I've looked on my iPhone several times. You know, if you go toggle to the right, you can see how much screen time that you mm, spend yeah. on a particular app. And yeah. I started to see that. It's three, scary four, how much three, you Three, four hours, there, six hours in a day just on social media, you know. Yeah. So a lot of times I have to, hey, I'm not going to click on it. Let me mm-hmm. uninstall it. And I have at a least, lot of friends that do that, uninstall. Yes, and just take it away for a week or two. And you'll be surprised how much you actually get done mm-hmm. when you don't have those distractions. Because if you notice, like, um, I don't know if you ever studied the colors in which people advertise certain things, yep. those colors attract you yep. to click. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a lot of times I've, you know how you swipe up to close out the apps and I find myself going right back to it <laughs> without even, you know, really realizing it. And yeah. that's what happens. The colors attract you to it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I have to really 
okay, this whole week, I'm going to, as hard as it is for me to be an entrepreneur, I'm not going to promote. I'm not going to do anything for a whole week. But at the same time, that is my most productive week. Yeah. You know. Well, like you said, it takes so much away from family time. And so that's kind of like a couple of rules we have in our house. Like when Mm -hmm. we eat dinner, I see so many families that don't have dinner together too. So us, every night, we all have dinner together. The baby. I call her the baby, but she's seven. Mm-hmm. We wait till my husband comes home and we all sit there and have dinner together. Yeah. And um, I don't see him all day. Uh, we always joke that we're roommates because mm-hmm. we see him in <laughs> passing. You know, he leaves yeah. before I get up and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like weekends, we we work every day except Sundays. Mm-hmm. So we've made it like a little ritual to, because um, we go to church and we're religious. Mm-hmm. So we do this thing called Join the Journey. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Watermark Church. So it's like this quick Bible verse every morning. He reads it separate. I read it separate. And then... At night, we get together and there's like a couple of questions mm-hmm. and they're just, you know, you answer them together. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you get to together. know each other a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a deeper level. I mean, we've been married almost 12 years, but still sometimes you're just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that's how you thought, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, and it's just even like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It just c- connects you. Right. You know, after all the busyness and all that, you still have someone to come home to and kind of, you know. And I think, I think back, back before it was. You had to have those conversations because the mom was home. Yeah. So she had to know what exactly. was going on. You know, she had to be in the know so that way she can help make the father's job easier as he go off and go to work. Whereas now you have to be intentional mm-hmm. about these different conversations. Um, my fiance and I, we don't, you know, have like nightly rituals and things like that, but we have, hey, Every other week, we'll go out. We'll have yeah, you, we'll take you know, we'll take you know, turn the phones off and things like that. Or we'll have those intentional conversations every three months. We do a check in. Oh, you know, that's great. we, um, hey, what are you doing? You know, where are you aligning with your goals? Are we still on the same mm-hmm. accord? You know, because me being an entrepreneur, I can tell you this month that I'm not going to do anything for three months, and then <laughs> when the opportunity presents itself in a month. Yeah. I'm probably going to take it, you know? So I, for myself, I have to have those so I can make sure that she's with me, you know, not necessarily doing what I'm doing, but what I'm doing doesn't make her feel less than or insecure or, or pushed away, but also making sure that she's still able to do whatever it is that she needs to do for herself and that she's able to do that, yeah. you know? So those are what those three to six month check-ins, you know, are yeah. for. And it's also for us to see where our mind is, you know, as you said, y'all have more Bible verses and you do like a questions and answers where ours is more so, you know, well, how do you feel about where you are now? And, you know, how do you feel about me and what it is that I'm doing? Are you comfortable in that sense? You know, is there anything that you need me to help you with? You know, so those were those things that we have to be more intentional about, because like you said, a lot of us in the relationships, y'all are... Yeah, as, as you leave and you only yeah, on work, and yeah, then and you turn around and you're like, "Oh, and I'm successful now, but look at my family set, like my personal life, I have mm-hmm, none." Mm-hmm. Or like, kids, so many kids grow up resentful because mm-hmm. you know you're out there trying to provide the best, so that's in your mind. You're like, "I'm doing the best I can for my kid," but mm-hmm. then you talk to them when they're an adult, and they're like, "Oh, but you were never home. You never did spend time with me," and that's what they really want. They don't remember, you know, all the cool stuff you bought them when they were ten. Mm-hmm. They remember when you would go play football with them or basketball, you know, whatever, like whatever you're doing with your, the quality time you're spending, you know? And so the thing with kids is though, and I've, I have a lot of discussions. I say with everybody, the things with kids, you could have had the best parent, but you're still going to find some fault in oh, them. Yeah. You get oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So it's like, there's no, there's no, 
balance. There is no right or wrong because if you want your kids to have a certain type of life, well, they have to understand that this is required. Yeah. Now, if I don't do this, well, then baby, you can say goodbye to your McDonald's <laughs> or your sushi. You know what I mean? Because now you're going to feel like your world is crumbling. Let's say, God forbid, you move out of this house and you move into a standard two-bedroom, two-bedroom bathroom apartment. Uh-huh. She's going to feel like, oh, they're in poverty. But you know <laughs> what I mean? But at the same time, in order for us to afford you this living, you have to understand this is what it takes. So it's a lot of give and take with the children, yeah. you know? And I I just watched this pastor. I don't know who it is, but it was one of those reels. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, he said, the kids never came first in my relationship. He said, it was always my wife. Mm-hmm. He said, because of the simple fact that we we sit here and put things off for ourselves and say, well, we're going to wait till the kids graduate and wait till the kids, you know, go off. Well, you have been absent for 18, 20 years in your relationship. And now that your kids are gone, now you're trying to go rebuild with this person that has been Stranger. empty for, yeah. yes, for 18 years. So he was like, I never put my kids first. You know, we raise them to the best of our ability. And at the end of the day, they're going to go off and do it, whatever it is they want to, you know, and that's pretty much it helped me to understand a lot of things. But at the same time, when it comes to our kids, we work hard for them, but they rarely ever go into our profession. Mm. You know, we we talk about generational curses and generational (laughs) wealth and these kids never go into what we set up for them. Yeah. So with that, I've understood that we teach kids how to be in fear of things and how hard things are, but we never talk about the happiness of our job, what we enjoy Mm -hmm. about our job. Because here it is, I have a a guy who was a, a successful plumber, very successful, but his kid owned the business and everything. His kid did not want to go do it. He went and got a job, struggling, talking, you know, going through the, the the hurdles of life when he could have just went and worked for his father, came in, which he eventually did. He got a vet in a Dodge Ram within six months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the money was there. The outline was there. Yeah. My mother, she has an event center. My brother won't go work for that for nothing. You know, he, he'll go help when he can, but she's huh. paying people to do stuff that he could do. Interesting. Yeah. You know, so is, is that because all we sit here and talk about is, the horror part of what it is we do. You know, if you talk more to your child about how exciting it is to go see these houses and how exciting it is to make a sale, how exciting it is to, you know, when you get paid from a sale, you know, she would be more susceptible to, you know, understand. And, but as a kid, while we hear is the best, no, I don't want to do that. You know, that's, and that's the way it turned me into being an entrepreneur because I hear all the bad talk about being employee, you know, <laughs> yeah, so you it was it was one of those things. But I feel like if we talk to our kids more about the good things in life, not yeah. scaring them from bills, not, you know, that's another thing we don't do. We don't sit down and go over the bills with our kids because we want them to stay in a child's place. And we are the first relationship to the world of our kids. You get what I'm saying? So I would prefer parents like you have that moment, sit down with your child mm-hmm. so she can better understand why I have to work so much, you know, yeah. let her see this mortgage with this light bill, <laughs> with this cable bill, with all these monthly subscriptions that you want from Disney plus and Netflix. <laughs> and you want your phone bill paid. You want all these different things. The average child does not know what that looks like. Yeah. And yeah. then we push them off at 18 and we think they're going to know it and they're going to get it. And nine times out of 10, the parent still takes care of them at least at about 25. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Because we didn't do the small things, which teach them. 
you know, which I didn't have none of that growing up. But, you know, I think because kind of like what you said, when you grow up with struggles, mm-hmm. you appreciate everything much more and you work harder. Yeah. Which I think nowadays we spoil our kids. And so they don't know what struggle is. They don't know what it feels like to go without, you yes. know. So. No. And that, and that's the thing, too. It's a we try so hard to give our kids what we didn't have. A hundred percent. But we don't look I'm back that it, it didn't it didn't make it didn't grow yeah. a bad person. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So sometimes yeah. the struggle is necessary. The Agreed. struggle is what made me. Agreed. You see Agreed. what I'm saying? Because it 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 forces you to think critically. Mm-hmm. And that is what schools are taking away from our students, mm-hmm. where there's not they're not allowing them to be creative thinkers and free thinkers. Mm-hmm. We're told what to think now. We're told how to get the answer now. We're told, you know, this is how things should be. But that is another reason why, you know, social media is such this melting pool where you have 500 people giving you this same jargon about business credit mm-hmm. because you're not free thinkers. You just sell what worked for this guy. You picked it up and said, let me add it to my channel. You know, so the creative side of it is going away, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of sense because we wanted to do everything for our child because our parents didn't do it for us. And so it becomes a, a spoiled effect. Mm-hmm. And then also I watched another guy. He said that. If you spoil your child, you have to raise your grandchildren. Oh, yeah. So instead of raising your children, yeah, then you can go spoil your grandchildren. There you go. You know, so a lot of times, that's another reason, like I said, I didn't have kids because I'm on this mission to make better for myself. I don't want to have that feeling of, is my child going to disown me or they're going <laughs> to feel this, this type of way because... I'm being selfish in my own success. Yeah. And normally that's what it is. We are selfish because we know what it is that we need to do. Granted, we're doing it for them, but 90% of it is for us. Yeah. You know, because if we didn't do it, we didn't have the passion behind it, the vision, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a lot of selfishness. And I did not want to be that parent where my child was, well, you're never here or there's no possible way for me to be there. You know what I mean? Because I have to go do something every day. Yeah. So there there was a that was a conscious decision for me. But I do feel like a lot of our parents, especially our generation, I'm 34. So the generation before me, my mother is should have been 52 this year. So just take her generation. She tried to give me everything that my grandparents didn't give her. Um, Just so happened I was more, I still had to struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the best thing, but I still had to struggle. I knew what it was like to go to my cousin's house who didn't have anything. But see, I never, they never told me about we didn't never talk about like the the slavery. We never talked about police brutality. We never mm-hmm. talked about those different things in my household. So therefore, I never had that fear. But I just thought when I went to my cousin's house, they had more people in there. So I just assumed this is just how you live because you have more people. It was <laughs> whereas in my household, it was just my mom, my stepdad, myself, and then my brother came when I was eight. So I just assumed, well, we have less people, so we have more things, you know. Yeah. So I didn't understand that barrier until I got older and I was like, oh, you know, this is why. And I understood even my mom, she I thought she was going to be a professional college student, you know, for a while because <laughs> my granny was, she didn't graduate. I think she she I think she graduated high school. I'm not sure, but I know she did not go to college. And but she was an avid reader. So she would constantly repute education, education, education. So my mother did it just to make her, you know, feel mm-hmm. good, you know, but I, 
my mom, I think, I, like I said, I think she was going to be a professional college student because she was in it forever, uh-huh. but she still had to go to work. She still had to, this was right when online schooling was becoming a thing, Yeah, you know? So for, for that, she tried to do the best she could. She forced education. I went to schools way out of my school district so that I can have a better education, but I still came home to the struggle but I didn't know it was a struggle at that time, but it was, you know, and that's what built me. So I feel like at some point we all have to feel that. I would rather feel it as a child and correct myself before I'm an adult than to go and be spoiled all the way up to, and then I'm dropped off, you know. Huge wake up call. Right. And then now here it is again. Now we're depressed. We got anxiety. We don't know how to, how to do anything because our parents done it all for us. And, you know, and we all know that our parents are not going to be here forever. Yeah. And I feel like for me, that's my biggest fear for my brother because mm-hmm. my brother was spoiled, like spoiled. <laughs> he didn't have to do anything still to this day. He's 25. And I, God forbid, if my mother's past, it's going to be over for him mm-hmm. because he he's used to everything being handed to him. I Granted, I got put out at 15, but I felt as though I knew everything. So I was just, <laughs> I could I could have went back home. I could have, but I just said, no. You're too prideful. Yeah, I was very prideful. So I would say, no, I'm going to do it. But me going through that, doing it on my own at an early age, it alleviated me, you know, messing up in my 20s, 25s, 30s, you know, things like that. that. So it was a good thing, but it was also, you know, a bad thing in that sense. But I'm now 34. I have six LLCs. I have, you know, flourishing businesses. I'm trying to, you know, now get into public speaking, podcasts, more, you know, personal exposure and things like that. So the struggle kind of made me. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, you know, so. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't right. go through what I did. Right. And so, I appreciate it a lot more. So that's too. why I hate when people talk down on the struggle. Yeah. You know what that's I mean? That's the most it's, important part. Yeah. But it's the, it's, you have to learn how to do more with less, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. We give them everything first. And it makes you tough. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's like really not much that can happen to me mm-hmm. that's going to make me feel like I'm going to cry or my life is over because right. I've already been to rock bottom. Right. You know, it's like there, I'm not scared of times. anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. It's so, just, no, I, I I think the struggle is necessary. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not the best thing, but it builds character. Yeah. And, and as long as you're disciplined and consistent, you can get out of that, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the hard part is the consistency with anything. Yes. Yes. And then now our, our kids are look seeking approval mm-hmm. because now they're like, well, if I don't get the likes, oh, if I don't I get the, if I don't get the, the comments, so bad. you know, I don't, I don't measure up, Yeah, you know? So now is our kids are now more so on approval, Yeah, you know, and that comes back again, the struggle, you know, the people, you know, you're encouraging your child at home. You know, my mother didn't tell me she loved me until she was about 18. Because that wasn't, oh, yeah. like, I wasn't grow. I didn't grow up on love. Mm-hmm. It was more so, this is what you need to do. If you want it, you better go out here and go get it yourself. Aww. You know, and, but that taught me not to be coddled. It yeah. taught me not to seek approval, not to wait on family to invest in what it is or wait on friends to invest in my ventures or whatever it is that I was doing. I went and got it, yeah. you know, but it's a, now we're in this approval stage where kids are like, well, I don't want to move unless my friend comes with me, you know, or <laughs> I don't want to do this or that because, you know, we're supposed to have this family. Let's pool family money. Well, I was a lot of times, even just recently in me opening this shop, I had a lot of guaranteed money. But when I got to the building, okay, well, I'm looking at buildings. 
y'all gonna, you know, give me money? Or, no, okay, no. All right. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I got the building. All right, you know, no, nobody. Okay, well, I'm, I'm about to start putting stuff in shopping carts. You know, y'all can start now, you know. You know, crickets. But they know. want to share in your success, uh, they success do. later. And so, you know, I if I would have relied on them, if I would have waited on them, none of this would have never happened. You know, but again, it goes back to whatever you believe. It's as long as you believe in something or some kind of higher power, what just doing what needs to be done is crazy how money fell into my lap for this opportunity. You know, just by me doing what is necessary, doing, you know, counseling out the naysayers, counseling out the people who said they were going to do something and it never came to fruition. And but still continuing that path on whatever it was that my vision, God has a way of opening those doors. Mm -hmm. And most people who have helped me has been of a different race and then was not of my friends. Isn't that crazy? That's what all, <laughs> almost all entrepreneurs say that. It's, yes. not, it's never the family or the friends no, that believe in you. No, it's never the friends. They're yeah. the ones that are telling you, don't do that. Don't risk yeah. that. Don't or, spend or, their money on that. Um, don't work too hard. Yeah. Or don't don't work yourself tired. You know? So crazy. Just, but yes, most of my help has come from outside people and sources. But at the same time, you need people who can learn from you. You need a set of group of people that can learn from you. You need a set of group of people who are on your same playing field so that way y'all are bouncing ideas but you also need those group of people who will have more than you so that helps create the balance in that one person because I don't want to be the smartest guy in my group because I'm not learning I don't want to be able to have to not be able to bounce ideas off somebody on a you know same playing field because we have time for each other Mm -hmm. we we don't mind you know putting the equity into each other but then you have the the upper echelon you know where their time means money you know, and but at the same time, the information that they're giving you is what is needed for you to grow. So a lot of people get stuck in this bubble and trying to be comfortable with their friends or afraid to leave their friends or afraid to level up because of what their friends may think or how their perception of you. I've lost tons of friends along this journey. I've lost tons of relationships along this journey because, as I said, this is a selfish sport. You know, I'm chasing what's better for me. I can't. My cup runneth over. Y'all get what runs over. Y'all, I keep my cup full at all times, you know, because at the end of the day, we are working this on our own. You know, if we can't get the help, we're going to find the help, you know, and that's just how I operate. So I've just never relied on family. They probably could have helped, but they didn't, you know, I'm sitting here on Facebook and Instagram, that's mostly family and friends. I'm posting, hey, I'm starting this business or, hey, I got this shop coming. All you say is congrats, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and that's it. They're going to come to the grand openings. They're going to see all the fruition, but you weren't in the trenches, mm-hmm. you know, when they said, or if you would have came and put a, a brush stroke on some paint on my walls, I would have been appreciative. But nobody did that. My handyman was outsourced. My contractors were outsourced. You know what I mean? I got people that actually do that, you know, but it's in order to be successful, you're going to have to have some kind of grit and that struggle helped that grit, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything is not going to go the way that we planned. So you still have to be very driven for your, whatever your vision is, because I could tell you my, my barbershop flooded three days before opening. Mm. You know, and I could have just said to hell with it then, you know, but 
I, I'm in a I'm in a pair of dress slacks, Kohans, and a dress shirt, <laughs> taking a, a air vac, sucking water out of my <laughs> building that is probably about an inch and a half thick. It oh is run gosh. down the hallway. Everything I could have said no then, but I kept at it. Yeah, you know, it cost me a little bit, but to still see my shop here two and a half years later, still standing. Yeah. Yay. You know, when I built out my salon suites, I had to pretty much do all the plumbing over. That was not in the budget. Uh, you know what I mean? It was a lot of things that happened that were not in the budget, but I did it anyways. You know, how no matter how strenuous it was on the pockets, but I did it. And now to see that I have 12 suites and eight of them are full, that's eight people that I'm helping. You know what I mean? To For them to be able to bring their vision to But I could have quit when that plumbing job came up, you know, or you couldn't get certain permits. I could have quit then, yeah. you know, but you have to have some kind of selfishness and discipline to to make it come to life because your family is not going to be there. Your friends are not going to be there. And that's the point where a lot of people quit. That is where a lot of that's how we get the one percenters, you know, because I don't care. What happens? My car was wrecked right as I came back from Jamaica. I pay insurance. Fine. That would have been detrimental to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, my car. They would have posted about it and everything. Let me go get this rental because I got a podcast to go do. Or I got a business <laughs> meeting that I need to go get. I don't have time to sit and wallow in what happened to me. Yeah. You fix it. You correct it. You move on. You know. But it's a lot of people that like to be victims. It's a lot of people that like to yeah. sit in that and... That what that very thing is what determines whether you're going to make it or whether you're not. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh yeah, amazing. I completely agree with everything you just said. Yeah. So if you can give one piece of advice to somebody that wants to start their own business, and you know they're where you started, you know, a, an idea, a vision, but nothing else. What do you, what do you do? <laughs> um, well, again, as I said, as I said before, you have to have the vision. And in having that vision, you have to have goals. I mean, I'm, and, I, and I like to tell people this in backwards, in the backwards form, because, you know, I like for you to know where you're going instead of you trying to strategically get there and trying to figure it out along the way. So first we need to have a vision. All right. And in that vision, it helps you create the goals. And so now you know exactly what you need in order to make this, this, this vision come to life. Well, within those goals, you need a plan. How do you plan to achieve these goals to get to this vision? All right. Well, now that you know the plan, how disciplined are you going to be? How much time is it going to take away from what it is that you need to go do? Because we got to make the vision come. So what are you going to sacrifice in that way? What disciplines do you have? Are you going to remain focused? You get what I'm saying? Do you have the 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 financial setup? You know, because it's easy for somebody to say they want to go into business, yeah. you know, because we, social media make it seem so easy, oh, yeah, you sure. know, that you can go tomorrow and what you can. <laughs> but at the same time, if you don't have the plan, if you don't have the vision, because you don't know what you need to get an LLC for, you know, because a lot of people go and get LLCs. But if let's say you are a realtor and my LLC is for real estate, well, you can't go start a trucking company under that that LLC. So it's a lot of things that people need to understand. So it's best to have that vision, set your goals, create a plan, and determine how disciplined and how focused you are going to be in order for that to come about. Those are the basic principles for anybody who's starting in any business, in regardless of what the business is. If you have those basic principles, there should be no reason why you shouldn't be successful. That's That's amazing advice. 
Um, oh, I learned so much talking with you today. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah, but, that was um, good. This was yeah. good. Uh, I just love listening to people's story when they, you know, start from nothing and get mm-hmm. to something. That's kind of like the whole reason I started this podcast. So that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> no problem. No problem. And thank you for having me. And I do always ask the last question is, um, what do you think is the most iconic business in Dallas, in your opinion? Iconic business? It would be between real estate and restaurants. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes, because that's that's the thing now. Yeah. You know, everybody, because of social media, everybody wants to do house hacking. Everybody <laughs> wants to be a real estate agent. Everybody wants to be able to go into these houses and show, you know, the 360 views and things. Yeah. And business, this is thriving. You yeah. know, there are billion dollar companies who are now moved to Texas. Yeah. So real estate is where it is right yeah. now, you know. Hate it for the economy, you know, <laughs> and for the, the housing prices. But I know I believe, yeah, real estate is pretty much where it is in um tech, of course, but it's kind of hard to do tech because it's a lot of startup, you yeah. know, and it's a little bit more strenuous, but these are the people that are in these buildings. These are the people who are renting. These are the people who are in the high rises and things like that. That helps the realtor get paid, you know. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to real estate. Shout out to Iconic Real Estate, the best <laughs> boutique brokerage in DFW. <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> and what's your favorite restaurant? Oh, Jesus. It turned which type of food are we talking about? Um, who? Well, um, we just I'm, I'm a fan of a steakhouse. So it would have to be Papa Bros. Oh, yeah. That place is awesome. Um, I like Drake's. Um, I like uh, Mercury. Mercury Steakhouse. Um, fiance and I, we just went to Eddie V's yesterday for their bomb crab cake. Um, yeah, and I think those are there. I'm, I'm, I'm my apps sucker for a good steakhouse. So I think those would be like my top ones right now. Yeah, I love Papa Bros is like the classic. It's so. If you ever in Houston, you need to go to Georgia James. They I've have the best Wagyu beef ever. That is, I and I've tried tons of steakhouses. I've tried Morton's. I've tried Mastro's. Mm-hmm. Nobody is touching them. All right, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put that on my list. Yeah, definitely. When you go to Houston, it's <laughs> called Georgia James, and they are amazing. Nice. Well, okay. So, last thing before we get off of here, if someone wants to contact you, either to like rent a suite or to be under your mentorship, like how do we get a hold of you? Um, Instagram, I am at I am Andy A N D D Y Barnes. Um, you can Google Andy, A-N-D-D-Y, Barnes, something is going to pop up. A website, <laughs> uh, some form of contact information is going to pop up for you. Because I have several businesses, it's kind of hard to just, you know, give you every last detail as far as how to reach me in there. But if you're on Instagram, it is I am Andy, A-N-D-D-Y, Barnes. Or if you're Facebook, it's Andy, A-N-D-D-Y, Barnes. And you'll see my profile picture, my websites, my link tree, everything is on those profiles. So if you need any help with anything, you should be able to find it there. Awesome. And I'll, of course, post it um, when I post this podcast. Okay. All right. No problem. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. We'll definitely do it again. Yes. For more info on Andy, find him on Instagram at IamAndyBarnes. That's Andy with two Ds. Or Facebook, Andy Barnes. A-N-D-D-Y Barnes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, email info at IconicRes.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Iconic Business Podcast. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease, check out my company website at IconicRes.com and reach out to me or one of our amazing agents. We would love to help you. 
This episode was recorded in Dallas, Texas and edited by Sean Chapman.